Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Suns win. The Suns win the opener of this Western Conference semifinal series as they come in with a strong third quarter, a brilliant second half, and they win it. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Well, I mean, I'd have to look at the film to give you a, a, a good answer, um, a, a lucid one anyway, but I... Like I said before, I just thought our our level of communication went up. You know, early in the game, we were communicating late, especially when we had opportunities to switch. Um, when when we switch on time, it allows for us to have integrity on the backside. And on the backside, we don't have to help as much uh, when we know we're switching. Um, just thought the communication went to a different level. And again, I thought Coach Willie Green uh, did a really good job of calming the guys down, letting them know, like, if we got a few consecutive stops, it could help us, and it did in that moment. It's Monty Williams, head coach of the Phoenix Suns, following a 122-105 win over the Denver Nuggets last night to take Game 1 of their Western Conference semifinal. Uh, and, yeah, the defense obviously got cranked up in the second half during that run. I thought the Suns looked a lot more comfortable offensively. But defensively, too, presenting some things that the Denver Nuggets didn't experience in their six-game series against the Portland Trailblazers, where they pretty much had carte blanche to do whatever they wanted to do offensively. That was not the case in the last 24 minutes, and you saw the way that that game turned around for the Suns. Uh, now they'll head into Game 2 with a one nothing series lead. It's uh, open phone time here on Bickley and Murata. 602 260 Nine eight seven zero. We uh, talk about the Suns' seventeen point win over the Nuggets last night, and the rest of the series as it uh, is in front of us now. Let's uh, now, start. hold on. Yeah, I'm just going to tell them to have a take and not suck. Six zero two two six zero nine eight seven zero. Have something to say and don't be terrible about it. Let's go out to the East Valley and Tempe and George. What is up, George? <laughs> oh my god you know i i think they're gonna take they're gonna take this this slight to monty and they're gonna use it as ammunition you know they know who monty is and i love the i love the way they just back him up and they're just gonna back it up on the court they they had nerves when they came out in the first half and you know we can talk and talk it up the nerves or you know an emotional letdown after being the lakers but the important thing is they never let the Nuggets out of their sight. You know, there were a couple little runs, but they answered them. And by the time the second half started, they knew who they were. They reminded themselves. And they went out and they played that way. And, you know, this is a team. This is a team in every sense of the word. The statistics bear it out. The eye test bears it out. And if Aiton plays Joker even up and Chris Paul stays remotely healthy, that just lets Booker do whatever he needs to do. He doesn't feel like he has to win the game. He lets it come to him, and he just plays the game he has to play, not the game he needs to play. And, and you know, and it's just, it's, it's, this team has just, just beat the best defense in the NBA. They have a team in front of them that, that has not seen a good defense, and they're laying it to them. And we know how to play this, this, this game whatever way we need to win, whether it's, whether it's all out or whether it's slow down. And that's the beauty of this yeah. team is it can be a chameleon and it can play that is true. whatever way needs to be done. I had those thoughts last night. Such a great point, yeah. George. That they, they can win a couple of different ways. And the way that the Nuggets choose to play, this is going to be an easy series for the Suns to play in. Um, I do think Game 2 is going to be... There's going to be a lot of forced aggression from Denver as they're going to try to change this up a little bit. And they can deal with that. 
But here's my thing about DeAndre Ayton, because you're right. Playing playing Nikola Jokic to a draw is a huge victory. And you can make an argument that he outplayed him. Um, but but it, the bigger issue is, if you think basketball fans in Phoenix are surprised by what we're seeing in the postseason, imagine the rest of the NBA. Imagine these guys who are playing DeAndre Ayton and remember him as a young buck when when he wasn't like this. Mm-hmm. Imagine their surprise. Yeah. And I think we're seeing a lot of it. Well, here's where it gets really compelling on the, on the Ayton versus Jokic front. Is they each played 36 minutes and 25 seconds. So it was 36 minutes and 25 seconds of exact head-to-head basketball. Me versus you. And you had a plus 13 for Aiton and a minus 13 wow. for Jokic. Wow. Okay, then yes. <laughs> now, yeah. I know it's not all on that, but when you're an MVP candidate, you got, you right. you got to carry more of the load. And, and I thought Aiton did a really good job on Jokic, frustrating him. He took a lot of tough shots, which he's able to make those those really unorthodox looking one foot jumpers where he's fading away. He's he's you know built that into part of his arsenal, but for whatever reason, DeAndre is just not all that. He, he's impressed when you ask him about it, but he's not impressed when it's unfolding on the floor. Does that make sense? Kind of, <laughs> and that that's what makes it so awesome to watch. It's it's this is such an incredible twist in in the development of this kid and what it means because we all knew what his ceiling was, uh-huh. more than he did. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep it going. Great uh, call to start it out, George. I like that chameleon term, yeah. too. This is not the Phoenix Suns teams of the past that had to play one way to be successful in the postseason. They can do it a number of different ways. Matt in Phoenix is up next here on Bickley and Murata. What's going on, Matt? What's going on? I'm going to try not to suck. Um, <laughs> I, I've been a Suns fan my whole life. Watching the game last night took me back to Kevin Johnson dunking on Akeem and just just remembering Charles Barkley dominating. Devin Booker is the Charles Barkley of this team, but younger and able to do more for us. I'm just so excited to be a Suns fan. I'm I'm not a Dorman fan. I paid attention, but when you're winning 19 games and tanking for playoff balls, mm-hmm. it's just there's there's nothing to be excited about. Yeah. Watching watching the Suns and watching the bench have fun when when Mikel Bridges is dunking on somebody or DeAndre or even Campaign, it makes it seem like it's a hell of a lot of fun compared to watching like Durant and the Nets celebrating when Durant does something. You don't see everyone celebrating everybody else on the team like the Suns are doing, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's making it so enjoyable. The one concern I have is though the defense and when we're switching on Aaron Gordon and putting Devin Booker in the post. That's the one concern I have. That was on my list too, Matt. Uh, and let it be known that you did not suck. That's a good phone call. I, I thought there was a little bit too much of, of Booker on Gordon. Yeah, uh, Gordon, I thought was the best yeah, player was... on the floor for Denver last night. Mm-hmm. I thought he played really hard. He outworked uh, the Suns on, on a number of different occasions. And you know, he's a weird matchup, both offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought Booker did did well as well as he could, but the size difference is is. It's t- yeah, it's it, a lot it, for him to have to overcome. It, it, it is. really, really is. And because Aaron, Ro- Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Gordon is also very athletic and wiry and explosive. And it, that's a difficult, yeah, that's a difficult matchup for the Suns. I it, agree. It also felt like they really couldn't handle Michael Porter Jr. that much until he kind of tweaked his back, didn't do much in the second half. Yeah, and that could be a factor for the rest of the series, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has had back issues. Uh, that's, you know, what was the knock on him coming out of college? He, he might have been a higher draft pick, but he only played in, what, two college games mm-hmm. at Missouri because of the back. And 
Uh, he had to work hard to get back to where he was. And and I noticed it when he came out from, from the locker room for the third quarter, he had that back wrapped up pretty heavily. And, and it wasn't hidden under a, a warm-up shirt. It was over the jersey. Right. So it was visible for everybody to see. And to hear Michael Malone say, yeah, I didn't I didn't take him out because of uh, effort or performance. He just didn't look right to me. Mm-hmm. That's something to keep an eye on the rest of this series. And, 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 you know, it'd be unfortunate for Denver, but that would be a major boost for the Suns because Michael Porter Jr. is a problem. Yeah, he uh, like I said, he's got great size and and he's kind of like he's got he's got a little Kevin Durant in his game. Mm hmm. Big guy, lanky, and can shoot the lights out. Shoot over anybody. That's what Kevin Durant does. Yeah, at a much better level. Yeah, listen, I I, I do think that the, the the Nuggets have a better supporting cast than LeBron's Lakers once Anthony Davis went out. But I but I don't think their talent matches up to the Suns, and that was one of the most optimistic things that came out of last night. Six zero two two six zero nine eight seven zero. We go to Anthony and Phoenix up next here on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Hey, Anthony. Hey, you guys. How you doing today? Good morning. Morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I think for me, what surprises me about the Suns and what lets us know how deep we are is like most teams got like two stars, and they focus on shutting down those two stars. And when you shut down those two stars, they're they're dead in the water. With us, they tried to do that last night, and Mikel Bridges lit them up. So I thought that was really key with him hitting those open three-pointers. It's like they let him have those three-pointers, and he killed them. So now it's like the next game, are they going to try to shut him down and then is it going to open somebody else up? Um, I think for uh, also uh, with DeAndre, you know, when he did that dunk, I was so, you know, I jumped up, I was yelling. But it still seems like sometimes when he's under the basket, like he's hesitant to do that. Like he's worried about getting his shot blocked so much. I think if he did that more, then he'd get more foul calls and I think it would help balance us out even more over the Jokers. So those are just my thoughts, man. Thank you guys. Love your show. Have a good day. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate the uh, phone call. Keep it going on the phones at 602-260-9870. Gilbert is in Glendale, and he's up next here on Bickley and Murata. What's going on, Gilbert? Thank you. After the Suns' uh, slow start, when they finished the third quarter on a 25-7 run, I texted my crew that the Suns are finally running on all cylinders, but there was still a lot of time left, and they had to play defense. I've got three quick points. The team benches. I thought the Suns bench was all played in the first half mm-hmm. and picked it up in the second half and maintained the lead when the uh, starters had to get a spell. And uh, number two, key matchups. You mentioned Booker and Gordon. I also got Bridges and Porter Jr. and Aiton versus Joker. I agree with Charles Barkley on TNT that uh, Booker needs to make – it's Coach Michael that's putting Gordon on Michael. It's not the Suns. But – he needs to wear out Gordon on and make him play defense, and that will uh, help uh, stop part of his game. Mm-hmm. And the third point was that the Suns have many gears, and we have yet to see the total eclipse of the Suns. So I'm really excited. I'm a longtime original native Suns fan since 68. Go Suns! All right, good stuff, Gilbert. Appreciate it. Uh, some good points brought up there, too. I, I agree on the, on the bench point. I thought the Suns bench was outplayed early. Um, I would not count on Monte Morris being as bad as he was offensively for the rest of this series. One for 10 from the floor and a minus 28 last night. He's a really good backup guard. He was just not into the flow of the game last night, so credit to the Suns for taking him out of his comfort zone. Uh, But we haven't talked much about the bench. 
Cameron Payne did not have huge numbers last night, but mm-hmm. he was a plus 10 in 19 minutes. Dario Saric gave them a little bit of a lift last night. He only when he, had, when he can stand his feet. Yeah, what he I mean, he only played 9 minutes and 20 seconds. And uh-huh. and Tory Craig, we've gone this long in today's show without talking about Tory Craig and I know you talked about him in your column today, Vic. Yeah. And I think the word you used was sizzling. Didn't you think it was? He was fantastic. I thought last he had night. a big impact on the game. He really I, did. It, it felt like the shots he made were all big shots. And man, did he just fuel some energy in that arena. You mentioned the slam dunk. It wasn't just that. A couple uh, of blocks. Uh, yeah, nine points, eight rebounds, a couple of blocks in 17 minutes, I want to say it was. Mm, yeah. That's that's a real productive evening. Very efficient evening. I, I thought Tory Craig and Mikhail Bridges really did a lot of work for this basketball team in a lot of areas mm-hmm. at, at key moments in the game. Yeah, Great uh, efficiency from both those players last night. Now to uh, Andrew in Phoenix. He's up next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. What's going on, Andrew? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I got to be in the arena last night and watch that game, and this is the electric, explosive Suns vibe that I grew up with, all the way from the Madhouse to Sir Charles to Nash in the seven seconds or less. That's what it's about. And when a team comes in to play the Suns right now, they're not playing five on five. They're playing five on 16,000. And the second half that showed, the Suns picked up that energy. Shots started falling. The place was amazing. Um, I'm excited. And this is what Suns fans have been waiting for. I mean, we're like a dormant volcano just waiting to explode. And uh, the Suns team, I think, Dick, your, your uh, article your, was great about this team is being built, not bought. We want our right. own organic team with our own homegrown players and to thrive right now and to see that on a national level, getting some recognition finally. Super excited, super pumped, and uh, thanks, guys, for taking my call. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Andrew working into material, too. Yeah, that's like good. <laughs> we got the most creative listeners, don't we? And creativity is encouraged, without a doubt. Wolfly impressions and, encouraged. Well, until they're not. Well, that's true. That's yes. true. If you're going to do it, do it for about eight seconds, not for about 90 seconds. Yeah. Like some of these While we think. appreciate committing to the bit, sometimes it's yeah. not the best course yeah. of action. Right. Uh, out to Tempe. Albert's been waiting. He's up next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hey, Albert. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. Sucks to suck, so I won't suck, and I'll make it quick. <laughs> uh, it starts with uh, bookends, and pun is intended. Starts with Booker showing up to the game with grit and a grand national, getting the crowd amped up, ready to go. Mr. And one starts off the game with tons of energy, gets the crowd ignited. Obviously, the young guys, everybody's on board. Then late in the game, we have the other bookend. Chris Paul, full health, well, not full health, but almost. Being the closer that he is all throughout his career, we see the whole enchilada come all together in one nice package. There you go. It's a winning team. Appreciate it, Albert. Good stuff, man. Um, yeah, I mean, Devin Booker, I kind of hinted at this. We haven't really elaborated on it. A lot of times when a defense is geared to stop him and, and you know, they're they're coming at him with two defenders, they're blitzing him, making him give up the ball on the double team, there's a tendency, there has been a tendency, at least in the past, to maybe force some stuff. He did have some turnover issues last night. He had five turnovers, but... Other than that, the efficiency with which he operated offensively, Bick, 8 mm-hmm. for 12 under under that duress, 12 is a very low number of shot attempts for Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. He scored at an at uh, you know an efficient level. He was plus 12 for the game. Um, 
he had eight assists in the ball game. Yeah, I, I, I use the I word the, the word that popped yeah. in you know, a mature effort. It was. By him. It was. But and again, and I think that, I think he recognized sometimes during the course of that game the defensive matchups were not favoring him, and he showed great restraint and he he moved the ball along. That's. That's a, that's a unique thing about Devin Booker's game. His not only his ability to pass, which is very underrated, his willingness to pass is extremely underrated, mm-hmm. especially for a player of his hunger level. We talked earlier about how he wants to be a superstar, no doubt about it. Well, for a guy with that kind of hunger and naked ambition, he he's showing great maturity. It's yeah. the beauty. Uh, and you're starting to see Aiton do it too. But with Chris Paul and Booker specifically, is they give the team what they need when they need it. Well, yeah, and, yeah. And, and to take Albert's example where he started that with the bookend thing, that was elite-level Chris Paul closing last night. Because they mm-hmm. built that lead, and you're thinking, okay, Denver's got another run in him. And Chris Paul just said, no, that's not happening. He absolutely took the game over and looked like vintage Chris Paul. Hitting that fadeaway jumper, he got to the rim once. He hit the three. Um, that that was a I, I called it an uh oh moment. If Chris Paul is going to look that good and that engaged when the game is on the line, there's a lot of teams that are scared of what the Phoenix Suns can do, without a doubt. Yeah, it, this is um and and we we've been saying this for weeks. The thing that's the most intriguing about the Suns is their ceiling with their young guys. When you pair the with the potential growth, the continuing growth of DeAndre Ayton with the platform that Devin Booker has for the first time in his career, you think okay, if, if any team can really elevate to another level entirely, it might be this one. I hope last night was the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. I, and you can make an argument that psychologically you get by the Lakers, you are now liberated. I think there's something to be said for that, I, too. Yeah. Not only are they the most storied team in the Western Conference, they were the defending champs. They had LeBron and AD. They were the, I mean, how long did we talk about that potential first-round matchup? Oh, the Suns, man, a great season. Is it going to come to an end in the first round because they have to play the Lakers? I think there is a psychological boost to getting by them, even, I would, even though they were compromised. I would say, okay, the trolling and everything we saw at the end of game six against the Lakers was really, really awesome. I think in the community of basketball players, beating LeBron James, eliminating him in the first round of the playoffs, and then being able to dance on his proverbial grave a little bit really lends some rock star status to this team. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Got time for a few more calls. 602-260-9870. James in Mesa. He's got the floor here on Bickley and Murata. What's up, James? Hey, Dan and Bick. Thanks for taking my call. A uh, longtime fan. Um, I just uh, I had to lay down a few bars for our boy Aiton. Aiton is shaking and baking nuggets. All forsaken sons, they be raking. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but seriously, guys. That's good, man. So seriously, guys, Aiden, what are you becoming? I mean, <laughs> right. it is it is crazy. Uh, just the way he's flipped the switch. I mean, I know we've been talking about it, but twenty and ten, you know, uh, double double from him, double double from Chris Paul. If they keep playing like this, guys, series is over. Yes, Thanks. I agree with that. Thank you, man. I I look at this and and I think okay, so much of this is Da's success, and I I don't want to apportion it too much to others but but the culture that must be present in that gym every day from monty williams to chris paul to devin booker 
what they've what they've been able to create around DeAndre Ayton that allows him to do this is phenomenal. Sean Miller, remember him? He even spoke to that that he's in a who? Yeah, that he's in that DA's in a stable environment for the first time in his life. Doesn't say a lot about Sean Miller's Wildcat program, but hey. You know what the, ma- the most amazing part of that piece was? And it was a really good read. Sean Miller agreed to be interviewed by somebody. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> hey, go back to Phoenix. <laughs> Caesar at Phoenix is up next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hey, Caesar. Hey, what's going on, man? Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, all I got to say is, minute, junior David Robinson in the making, man. Straight up, man. That guy is unbelievable. Uh, we have a winning culture once again, and I think a lot of the stuff that's going on is uh, a lot of people just aren't accustomed to the Suns winning this much in the playoffs. And uh, I know we had that run in the 05, 06, 07 and whatnot, but there's just something way different going on right now, man, in my opinion. And I know the stats. I see the numbers. I hear you guys every day. But people doubt us because they're just not accustomed to us getting this far and doing it the way we're doing it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I agree with that, uh, Caesar. Appreciate the phone call. I was focused on the David Robinson point. Mm-hmm. David Robinson, because of his military commitments, and and he was a freak. We all knew he was going to be great when he first played his N- he played his first NBA game. He was twenty four. When DeAndre Ayton's twenty four, he'll have five years in the league. <laughs> Is that not yeah. frightening? Yeah. It now there's a lot. There's a ways to go, obviously, but. What he's done in this postseason has been so encouraging. Uh, final call. We'll uh, go all the way across the country to New York and talk to Charlie up on uh, Bickley and Murata. Hey, Charlie. Hey, gentlemen. How are you guys today? Doing well. Charlie, what's happening? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, I've been a Suns fan going back to the inception of the, of the franchise, and I've seen them all up and down the East Coast and enjoy every game that I go to. I'm so enthused to see them knock off the Lakers. And... Uh, as they were knocking them off, just listening to the announcers and sports media, how disrespected the Suns have been given. I mean, they, they actually just wanted the Lakers to win that that, that round uh, to the utmost capacity that I just got fed up of listening. But i gotta, I got to say, uh, Anton coming of age has really been the key as far as I'm concerned in their, uh, besides their turnaround, just being able to, get through that series and what I saw last night, uh, it looks like uh, our number one pick of, of him back three years ago is starting to turn around that he fits right in there with Luca and uh, my boy down in Atlanta. Yep. Um, I, I can't disagree with anything Charlie said either. Mm-hmm. Um, Except how to pronounce Aiton. Well. Aiton. <laughs> Those New Yorkers. Uh, DeAndre Aiton went on record after uh, the Lakers series, too, and, and talked about something that you had written about, Vic, or maybe it was the subject of a blast, the 2018 draft class. Mm-hmm. And DeAndre took it to a different level. He said it might be the best draft class of all time. Um, that's saying something because there's been some some real doozy classes in, in the history of the NBA draft, but between eight and Luca, who's going to sign the Supermax, it sounds like, this, this offseason with, with Dallas and, and what he just did, Scoring forty six points in a game seven in a losing effort, Trey Young. They're they're probably having in Trey Young. I think the bar was higher going into the postseason than it was for DeAndre Ayton, based on what he's done in his career. Right. He they're probably having those same discussions in Atlanta right now about how he's elevated his game to a different level in the postseason. 
because it, not only has he stepped up his production, he's worn the black hat and been the villain, oh, too. Oh, his showmanship is off the charts. Oh, it's, it, it's ridiculous. The, he, the amount of confidence, he, he's not overwhelmed at all by what he's been presented with. If you asked Hawks fans, would you trade Trey Young for Luka, what do you think they'd say? I I'll bet you the majority I, would say no. Yeah, I mean, Trey Young's already got a series win under his belt. Luka still hasn't done that. And just think also that draft class also has Michael Porter Jr., mm-hmm. Mikel Bridges, Miles mm-hmm. Bridges, and best, Jeff Bridges. other types of Bridges, <laughs> Bo Bridges, <laughs> Jeff London Bridges, Bridges. <laughs> Lloyd Bridges, falling down, Bo Bridges, my fair lady. <laughs> all right, thanks for all the uh, phone calls. <laughs> it didn't take long to get punchy today. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Coming up next, the uh, Phoenix Suns were not the only ones rocking the joint at Phoenix Suns Arena last yeah. night. Jimmy Eat World did, too. And we'll be joined by their drummer, our buddy Zach Lind, uh, straight ahead next. It's Pickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Yeah, if you were lucky enough to be in uh, Phoenix Suns Arena last night for that electric atmosphere, it didn't stop at halftime. You heard the song that's uh, in the background right here is one of the two hits played by Jimmy Eat World during their halftime performance, and uh, here to talk about it with us, uh, our friend, the drummer of Jimmy Eat World, Zach Lynn, joins us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. Zach, how are you, man? I'm good. What's up, guys? Band sounded good last night, nice and tight. What was it like performing from that high above in the energy that you felt, Zach? It was really bizarre to only play for six minutes, but it was really fun because <laughs> it was like it went by way too fast. But yeah. they said you have six minutes to play, and so we have to, like, you know, so we haven't played since our last concert on stage was December 2019, you know, in front of people. So it was a little bit of a weird situation for us because we, you know, we're, we're playing in not only this awesome environment, but like we have to play for six minutes and we're done. So when it was over, it was like, that was really fun. I wish we could have played more, but it was just awesome to be a part of the environment of the team and the fans. Obviously, both of those, you know, both of those groups brought it, and we just wanted to sort of fit in somewhere in there. Yeah, and and the crowd was into it, too. I, and I always make the announcement, hey, stay in your seats. Jimmy World's coming up uh, at halftime. And they did, and they, they were into it, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's it was, uh, I mean, it's hard for us to know if people are into it or not. It's like a unique setting. So it's like, we, right. you know, we haven't never done that before. So it's like, were they into it? Were they not into it? But you know, in the end, we just, I think we were sort of more into just playing and having fun and having people around us enjoying the music. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was such an amazing night and not only just for playing, but just being a part of that game and the crowd was electric. You know, I was thinking that last night was such a celebration of the Valley new and old, and, and it's something so fresh and authentic about it. Something so new yet so familiar. And Jimmy Eat World seemed to fit perfectly in that pocket last night because uh, not only does the drummer, which is you, did you create a sports podcast based on the misery of being a Valley sports fan, the band practically adopted to, or offered to adopt campaign during the Lakers series. So it, it felt like you're, it, it, this all fit together last night. Yeah, it did. I mean, we, we, they asked us, we've been asked by other organizations to play half times or do stuff, and it's like it's never felt right for us. 
and for us, we we want it to we want it to be right for not only us but for the fans. And it's just like when they asked us to play, it was just uh, yes, like we'll do that. And I think part <laughs> of it is because we know, even though my bandmates aren't super dialed into sports, like growing up in Phoenix, when the Suns are like firing on all cylinders, this becomes a Suns town like no other. You know, in terms of like in comparison to the other organizations in town, there's just, there's something about it that, that, that lights the city on fire. And so we knew we wanted to just be a part of it. And we were super honored to be asked to be a part of it. Zach Lynn. Yeah, I think like be, being, being around for as long as we have and kind of bridging that gap was because I remember, you know, I remember when our band was just starting out and the sons were, the talk of the town, and now it's it's happening again. Wow, Zach Lynn from Jimmy Eat World, our guest here on the Colter Automotive Group Sports Line. We've spent a lot of time uh, talking off the air, Zach, over over the past year or so, just commiserating about the miserable experience about being a Phoenix sports fan, and and we know you're a diehard sports fan, and, and you mentioned it, just being in the building for that. By the way, the Suns outscored the Nuggets by 18 after Jimmy Eat World played, but. Uh, what do you That's think? A good plus minus. Yeah, it is a really good plus minus. Looks good in the box score. What What do you think of this team? What What are your emotions as a longtime fan right now watching this team play? It's such a fun team to watch because there's no one player or two players or three players that you can fixate on. It's like every player is contributing. Last night was a perfect example of that. When you're looking at, you know, I, my daughter is at the game and she's just not really like sports is not her thing. And but when the sun started like heating up and winning games, she she became interested all of a sudden, which really surprised me. And I showed her, look up at the score, look at the score sheet, where like every Suns player is like just in the low twenties. Yeah, and it's like that's amazing. Like that's everyone just contributing, and I think that's something about this team that people relate to because I think like Bickley so aptly put in his column, it sort of thumbs its nose at like what's happening in the NBA lately, where. You go out and you spend a ton of money. You get like this one, two, three guys that can you know elevate your team, and it just doesn't feel like this team is like that. Even though we do have amazing leaders, but um, it was just like I think there's something special about the team, and it's so fun to watch. All right, I want to run my theory by you because I think what we all felt last night and what we're feeling from the Suns crowd is part of a bigger story, and that is the return of of the performer in the audience, the energy exchange. We are coming out of a pandemic where we as a people were locked inside. Our creativity was locked up. We had nothing but negativity and politics and hatred and divide coming at us. And now it kind of feels with 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 the performative arts coming back and audiences coming back that we're about to unleash and experience something very, very powerful. You're about to get back on the road. You're about to do Lollapalooza and all the things that Jimmy World does. What do you think about that theory? I think that's a really good theory. I mean, I think the thing is, is we, we're always going to have these little disagreements or things that divide us. But the thing about sports, the thing about concerts, like when you go there, you, you sort of set that aside a little bit, right? And you, you're not worried about what's on the news. You're not worried about what's on the newspaper or what politicians are doing or what's going on in your life that's bumming you out. You're kind of you're you're losing yourself in the experience of either watching the game, cheering for your fans, or cheering for your team with other fans with you, or you're going to a concert and you're just kind of like turning your brain off a little bit and just experiencing the sounds and the vibes and 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 everything that goes along with live music. So, I actually think that you know we need these things to kind of help like uh, 
you know, balance out our communities because otherwise we just like, we become just like, we hate each other because we don't have these outlets to have this connection or this feeling of a communal uh, experience um, for better or for worse. Like sports and live music are the, the opportunities for, you know, communities to come together and identify each other as music fans or Suns fans. And they don't see the, all of the other things that divide us. Well said. And you know, it wasn't that long ago, or maybe it was, when you, me, and Vinny were sitting around drinking beers watching Suns in the Bubble. Yeah. And here we are. That was like 10 months ago. <laughs> Seems like a different world, doesn't it, Zach? It does seem like a totally different world. It's, you know, and that, that was a, that, those are good times. I mean, we were making the best of a bad situation, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's pretty amazing to see where this team is at. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to, to, I think for hopefully for everyone, uh, to, to start experiencing this, this feeling of a communal connection. Yep. All right. So, uh, so update us on the band. What do you guys have in front of you in the, in the immediate future? So we, we yeah, the, the next big thing for us is we're doing Lollapalooza at the end of July in Chicago. Um, we're announcing, we just announced today some more, uh, shows. We're doing, um, some extra festivals in the fall. We're playing bottle rock. So we have like a handful of festivals coming over the course of the fall. And the other thing we're doing is we're just putting our nose to the grindstone and writing new music. So, um, you know, we're, we're channeling the excitement of, of getting back and doing live music and, and funneling that into making new songs and um, hopefully coming up with some good jams that people will like, you know, I guess maybe release in the next uh, whatever year and a half or so. Very cool. I saw I saw on Twitter last night that that you 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 kind of had an interface with I think either a tech or somebody in the business who once tuned up or worked on your kit, and you said that you wanted your snare to sound like a baseball bat going through a wedding cake. And I thought <laughs> that's about the coolest description description I have ever heard. Yeah, that that guy's named Ken Andrews. He's mixed our last two albums, and he himself is in an amazing band called Failure Band that you would love. They're called Failure, and um, but he's an incredible mixer, and he was. I w- we were having a hard time getting him to understand what we wanted the drum to sound like because we were kind of going back and forth. And then I gave him that metaphor, <laughs> and then he he like he totally nailed it after that. That's great. <laughs> All right, Zach. Thank you, brother. You guys sounded great last yeah, night. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on with us, Zach. Good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you, Zach Lynn, Jimmy Eat World. They will be at the Lollapalooza July 29th through August uh, 1st in Chicago's Grant Park. He joined us at the Colt, on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. Coulter Nissan, west of the hassle. Visit ColterNissan.com. Coming up next, Chandler Jones was in the building yesterday for the Cardinals. Not so much today. We'll fill you in on that next. Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Do you expect Chandler or Hicks uh, tomorrow or Thursday, Cliff? Uh, I don't. No. (laughs) (laughs) Bob McManaman from uh, AZ Central asking Cliff Kingsbury today after OTAs about uh, Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks. They were not at the voluntary workouts last week. 
they were not at minicamp today for the yeah. Arizona Cardinals. Now, two different it, players, two different stories. But, it, two different players, two different uh-huh. stories, definitely. Now, Chandler Jones was in the building yesterday. J.J. Watt tweeted out yesterday, I saw Chandler Jones today, life is good. There's a picture of them together in uniform. So, to me, you you phrased this perfectly. Mm-hmm. This appears to be kind of a soft holdout yep. by Chandler Jones. Yeah. Um, the contract status is what it is. He's going into his last year of the contract. He is desirous of a, of a contract extension. It's not, it's not happened yet. But Chandler Jones, if you're playing hardball... You're staying away like Aaron Rodgers. He, I don't think Aaron Rodgers yeah. went to Green Bay and, and got his picture taken for, for the video <laughs> no, content team no. of the Packers yesterday. No. Chandler Jones did. Yeah, I, I think that this has been, I think this has kind of been not easy to diagnose, but I think this is all kind of coming together. I think Chandler Jones is not playing football until he gets a, a new contract. I think that's the bottom line here. But I think Chandler Jones is also making it clear nothing's no, no harm, no foul. We're cool. It's just business. Yeah. So I'm going to show up and I'm going to take pictures so you don't have to Photoshop me in later. Yeah. Right? That was the other thing, JJ, what, the picture of them standing side by side. Uh, flexing, right? Not Photoshop, according to JJ Watt. Yeah, right. So, right. Uh, there was a little bit of an elaboration uh, yeah. on the situation with those two players, Jordan Hicks and Chandler Jones. Like we said last week, um, nothing new to report there. We've been in communication with both guys. Um, we know the situations, and so I'll, I'll lead that dialogue, um, you know, between us and uh, nothing else to report on that. Yeah, and you said two different players, two different situations, and I, and I can surmise at least my thoughts on the situation by saying one of those guys is going to be on the Arizona Cardinals in 2021. One guy isn't. Yeah. I, Not that I would have a problem with, well, with Jordan Hicks sticking around, by yeah. the way. I, well, and I think, I think what you're hitting on is something that is also uh, paramount here. Just because we have been putting our take on this situation that Chandler Jones is probably going through the standard garden variety playbook for getting a contract extension in an offseason. And that includes holding out. Okay, but but Chandler Jones likes it here. He's excited. He wants to be here. But this is just business. Now, people can hear that. And go, okay, they might be right. But I think it's important that Chandler Jones did what he did because it, it reassures people that something's going to get done. Because if Chandler Jones had any inkling from Steve Kime that, I don't know, man, you better just come in here, it, it, then, it would, then he wouldn't show up for pictures. Mm-hmm. So at least there must be some sort of gentleman's agreement that we, this will be discussed. Oh, absolutely. That we will not expect you to perform in OTAs until we settle your contract situation or Medicare, whatever it is. And so I, so, so I think this is an indication that the Cardinals are willing to play ball with Chandler, or he doesn't come and get his pictures taken. Or they, they which they very well should be. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I don't yeah. think, I don't think the plan was to get J.J. Watt to replace the pass rushing uh, proficiency of Chandler Jones. I thought it was to add to. Right, I, it's coming. Right, I, I, I'm, I, you know, my concern level on that on, on that matter is at about a one right now. If that well, it, but again, it's it, everybody's got a price, and sometimes those price tags can be prohibitive. So there is that. Yeah. But, but I do think the intent on both sides is good. Yeah. Another uh, player that wasn't at the voluntary workouts last week was newly acquired wide receiver AJ Green. He has been at the mini camp so far. In fact, uh, Cliff Kingsbury impressed by his new receiver. He's been really impressive uh, when you see him on the field. That type of size with that type of movement skills. Um, you know, very conscientious player. 
you know, he's picking it up quickly. Uh, consummate professional. Couldn't say enough good things about him. Really excited that he's here. I think he brings a lot to that uh, receiving room. Yeah, and we've heard nothing uh, outside that that realm about AJ Green since the Cardinals got him. The way he conducted himself in his uh, his media session when he was introduced to the media here, he is a consummate pro. Uh, now the Cardinals are counting on a bounce back year from AJ Green, and now you've got two of the top wide receivers from that 2011 draft class. We were talking about the 2018 NBA class. The 2011 NFL draft class is going to go down in history as one of the best ever. A.J. Green with a new team in Arizona, Julio Jones with a new team in Tennessee. Both of those teams counting on bounce-back years from those players. That's a good point. Yeah, listen, and and I think that, um, yeah, I think a couple things. I think I know from watching Julio Jones that he still has significant amounts of gas left. I'm really curious to see what A.J. Green is going to look like. Because in his prime, he was he was terrific, and he languished in Cincinnati. Languished. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't fully healthy. Uh, I don't well, think last year either. But. No, I, but I, and I also I also think though that um, the AJ Green signing is the one that is most frequently panned by NFL analysts and observers. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are now into. Believe it or not, calendar month six of Fitzwatch 2021. So the update today from Cliff Kingsbury is there's no update. Yeah, I didn't didn't uh, you know broach that topic, but um, that's the number one question I get asked anywhere I go. It's not how are y'all going to be. It's have you talked Fitz into coming back? So I think that says a lot about um, you know what he means to this this state, this area, this organization, and uh, so nothing to new. New to report on it, but in any room that Larry Fitzgerald's in, he's going to make dramatically better. There's no doubt. That's an interesting way to uh, end that quote. Mm-hmm. Any room that he's going to be in, he's going to make it better. I mean, is he talking generally speaking or a position group? Uh, oh, what you you think he's thinking of changing positions? Hell no! Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I am starting to. I'm not fully on board with it, but I know people, when you have this much time to mull things over, Mm -hmm. suggestions come out, and the suggestion that was out there that Larry Fitzgerald will do his best to keep in in quote-unquote football shape and keep himself available should some uh, possibility with the Cardinals pop up. I'm starting to buy more into that. Otherwise, why not just close the door? And to give you some context on Cliff's answer, the question, the end of the question was, would would uh, Fitz fit in with the new look wide receiver room that the Cardinals have right now? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, there. Yeah. See, context does matter. Um, I I think Fitz is retired. I, I saw photos of him on the golf course. I I don't know how in shape he is right now. Really. I I just I think he's done, and I think this is just kind of his way of handling it. Of just kind of. Living up to what he said all these years, that it won't be that big of a deal. That and he's in probably not much hurry to begin this celebration of his life and times as an Arizona Cardinal. Because, like I said, that means locking hands and locking arms with the Cardinals again right now. Yeah. And I'm not sure he's in the mood to do that. Hmm. I think he's more in the mood to lock arms with the Phoenix Suns right now. Who isn't? No doubt, they're on fire. Listen all day tomorrow for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the sold-out 
Phoenix Suns Game 2 versus the Denver Nuggets. It's the hottest tickets in town. Game day giveaway. It's happening tomorrow all day long. Coming up next, you know what's next, the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.